Hello, and welcome to the session on Australians' Perceptions of Global Catastrophic Risks with Emily Grundy. I'm Melinda Wang, and I'll be your MC for this session. So as you guys are all probably familiar with the drill already, we'll be starting with a pre-recorded talk by Emily, and then we'll transition into a live Q&A session, and which will answer, hopefully, most of your questions. Now I'd like to introduce you to our speaker for the session, Emily. Emily Grundy is a research lead with the Rapid Effective Action Development Initiative, also known as Ready. Her background is in research, translation, and behavior change. In 2019, Emily completed her honors thesis on the personality traits associated with effective altruism. Her primary research interests are in creating and amplifying evidence to promote behavior change that aligns with effective altruism. Currently, Emily is leading a systematic review of interventions for reducing consumption of animal products. And here's Emily. Hi, everyone. My name is Emily Grundy, and I'm a research lead at Ready. Today, I'm going to be talking to you a bit about Ready, as well as some findings on what Australians think about global catastrophic risks or GCRs. So things like, what do they think is the likelihood that GCRs will occur in the next 10 years? How big do they think the negative impact might be if they do occur? And how would they distribute funding amongst a number of different GCRs? I'll walk you through what Ready is, who we are, what we do. I'll briefly outline a number of uh, projects that we've done previously, and then we'll talk about those findings on GCRs. Ready is the Rapid Effective Action Development Initiative, and it's a network of volunteers whose aim is to create and amplify research that aligns with EA. To date, most of our projects have focused on behaviour change, and we believe this that this is required, this sort of focus, when we're trying to promote the goals of EA. So there's some great work on different moral frameworks, cause prioritisation, comparing different altruistic efforts, and that's necessary, but perhaps not sufficient for promoting EA goals. So, for example, imagine that you knew about all the different charities in the world and you could rank them from most effective to least effective. That would be a very impressive uh, output and a lot of work required but it wouldn't necessarily be useful if no one was donating to charity in the first place and you couldn't figure out how to get people to donate more to charity. Ready involves four, uh, four people in the leadership team. There's Michael Notel, Zan Sari, Peter Slattery and myself. Peter, Zan and I all work at Behaviour Works Australia, which is a behaviour change organisation within Monash University, and Mike is an academic at ACU. So a brief plug for EA conferences. Peter, Zan and Mike all met at an EA conference in 2017 and got the ball rolling for Ready then. And then I met the three of them last year also at an EA conference. So probably has been already said quite a bit today and last night, but it's a really great opportunity to meet people and who share similar interests. I'll also just add a comment here that Ready is currently talking a lot about our strategy and our future direction. So some of what I might say today is a bit of a work in progress and we're definitely open to receiving feedback on where we could go and how we could improve. How Ready works is that we collaborate with end users to determine what sort of research is necessary and how what sort of outputs would best help them. So we 
talk with researchers and experts and practitioners who are in the field in order to determine what is the research that's lacking, what specific questions should we be looking at, and how is that information best summarised and presented for them so it's useful for them. We have three levels of involvement within READY. There's the advisory level, which is for researchers and practitioners who are experts in the field. There's team leaders uh, who are more experienced researchers. And then there's team members who are looking to gain new research skills. To date, READY has done three research projects or has been undertaking three research projects. The first is an overview of systematic reviews on how to promote charitable donations. So this project uh, involved about 14 uh, research members and uh, advisory board members and the academic paper for that is currently under review and the results and a public summary is available on our site. We're currently finishing up with an overview of systematic reviews on how to promote uh, dietary change of animal products and how to reduce animal product consumption. In this project, our team has grown to 28 in total and includes uh, research experts like Maya Mather from Stanford and um, field experts like Jacob Peacock from the Humane League. Our third research project is Scrub and that was initiated in March by Ready, And it's perhaps our most successful project to date, and that's the project from which uh, the findings on GCR uh, have arisen. If you are interested in the other projects, though, uh, feel free to check out our website, and we've got the protocol and public summaries available there. So SCRUB is the survey of COVID-19 responses to understand behaviour. And the intention there is basically to collect data from the public about what they're doing and believing in response to COVID in order to uh, work with policymakers and provide them with actionable insights. So as I said, it was initiated by Ready in March and it now involves two arms. So there's an international arm, which has over 140 international collaborators and collects data from a number of different countries. And then there's a domestic arm, which is run by Behaviour Works uh, and run in Australia with funding from the Victorian government. So Behaviour Works works with the Victorian government to determine what their policy needs are and to inform their response. So the domestic arm involves a survey of 1,000 to 2,000 Australians, a representative sample every three weeks. And uh, before you tune out, I will only be talking about the findings that are relevant to EA, so about the GCRs, and not about handwashing for the next 10 minutes. The reason why I'm talking about a, a COVID survey at an EA conference is that in round 10 of our data collection, we included items on GCR. So we wanted to measure and characterise beliefs and attitudes about biosecurity and then compare them to beliefs and attitudes about other GCRs. We used a similar methodology from a 2019 report on AI by Zhang and Defoy. And we looked specifically at three GCRs. So failure to address climate change, rapid and massive spread of infectious diseases and the harmful consequences of artificial intelligence. So we had a sample of a thousand Australians 
and we randomly presented each person with one of these catastrophic risks and asked them to um, answer questions about it. So the questions were about how likely do you think this GCR is to happen in the next 10 years? What do you think the size of the negative impact would be if it did happen? How much are you worried or concerned about it? How confident are you in the go- in the government uh, that they will address it or prevent it? And how do you think funding should be distributed between either these three GCRs or uh, economic recovery from COVID-19? So a bit of a warning on the next page is a uh, graph that looks quite complex, but we'll just walk through it so uh, we can we can understand it. So this is the results from Zhang and Defoy, their 2019 report, which I said we based our methodology off. So there are a number of different dots here, and they each represent different GCRs, and that's because they looked at a number of different ones, not just three like we looked at. So you can ignore most of the dots and focus on the three which are highlighted, which are the ones that we, uh, which we measured as well. On the x-axis, you can see there is the likelihood of the GCR happening in the next 10 years. So the further right you go, the more likely people are to think it, sorry, the more likely people think it is that event will happen. And on the y-axis, the vertical one, you can see is uh, how big people think the negative impact will be if that event does happen. So putting our results onto this graph with nice pretty stars there, we can see that people think that the if, a, if the spread of infectious diseases does happen again in the next 10 years, the impact will be severe. However, they think that it's less likely that will happen than failure to address climate change. In terms of uh, harmful consequences of AI, people think that's a, about as impactful as failure to address climate change, but uh, a lot less likely. So... What does this mean? Well, we can see from the comparison, there is a reason that I've uh, put the stars on this graph, not just to confuse you all, but we can see from the comparison that the people's perceptions of the severity of GCRs has increased since 2019. There are a couple of caveats to that, which I'm sure uh, you've already uh, got in mind, and that's that Zhang and Defoy studied an American sample and we used an Australian sample, so there's a different audience there. And as well, their study was in 2019, which was pre-pandemic and ours was during the pandemic. The One of the implications you might take from this, uh, this finding is that people's attitudes have changed regarding the severity and that might provide us with the opportunity to... Uh, sort of like a gateway into changing behaviour. So if people are thinking more seriously about these risks, perhaps they'll be more open to funding, uh, perhaps they'll be more open to uh, increasing awareness around them. Something else we looked at is funding, as I mentioned. So people asked about uh, how they would distribute funding between four causes three of which being the GCRs I've explained, and the fourth being economic recovery from COVID-19. This graph also looks a little confusing, so nice colours. <laughs> but uh, essentially what it's saying is that people think funding should be directed uh, mostly towards economic recovery from COVID-19. 
quite surprisingly, there's like the least amount of funding they think should be directed towards future uh, spread of infectious diseases. So it seems like people are quite present uh, oriented. Another insight, which I think is interesting from this graph, is that you saw in the previous slide how people think the impact of climate change and artificial intelligence uh, will be relatively equal. And on here, you can see the two left-hand blobs. <laughs> people think that the amount of funding which should be delegated towards these two GCRs is also relatively equal, a bit, although a bit of a different distribution. But to me, that implies that uh, people are failing to take into account neglectedness. So AI is, of course, a lot more neglected than, um, than climate change. And it seems like people are only kind of considering what's the impact, then jump into how much funding should it receive when they're making these judgments. So it suggests that there might be a bit of a, a knowledge gap in, uh, in that people aren't taking that, that factor into account when they're making these sorts of decisions or thinking about these things. And it definitely implies that there's work to do in that area. So unfortunately, I don't have time to go through all of the findings from from this study and these items, but we're looking at analysing them further and then posting a summary and more detailed analysis on the EA forum shortly. Now to the best part of any EA presentation, which is the ask. So as I said at the beginning, we're really looking into the strategy of READY and where we can go in the future. So for example, whether we might form some sort of evidence centre whether we might uh, come under a university and be part of a university or whether we could be perhaps some sort of informal or like continue being an informal uh, volunteer organisation. So we're really interested in your thoughts on what we could form into, what we could do better, how we could grow, what do you think uh, people are interested in and, uh, yeah, the future of Ready. So... If you have any feedback or you would like to be a collaborator with Ready, I would love to hear from you and so would the whole team. So please, my email is on the slide and get in touch. Thank you so much for that talk, Emily. That was wonderful. Um, so we're going to delve straight into the Q&A session. Uh, a question I have is um, what inspired you to um you know, go into uh, behavioral research with regards to EA and what are some future directions um, that Ready sees in its horizon? I first became interested in EA, like I'm sure a lot of people did, was when I read Peter Singer probably about seven or so years ago and just found his arguments very persuasive and was also slightly frustrated to see people who also agreed with his arguments but didn't take any actions to uh, to integrate them into their lives. So it's it was more so a classroom-based activity rather than something which was applicable to the world and to their choices. And over the past few years, I've studied psychology and completed my honours in psychology last year with a particular focus on effective altruism. And I suppose this year in particular, and perhaps last year as well, I've started to think more and more about behaviour change and how I think that's really essential to the EA movement because, as I said in the talk, you can know a lot about EA principles and frameworks and what 
what are the best actions to take? But if you can't get people to take those actions, then what's the use in that? So that led me to become more involved in Ready and to be where we are today. And in terms of our future direction of Ready, I, uh, as I said in the talk, we're talking about that and working out what our strategy is. A few things that we're considering is where we live, how we're resourced and what we do. So in terms of where we live, we could be something like an evidence centre within a university or we could uh, be more of an independent organisation. In terms of how we're resourced, we could be continue to be a volunteer-run organisation, which has the drawbacks of uh, you know, having to depend on what people's availability is, or we could seek out more funding and uh, get more full-time established roles. And in terms of what we do, perhaps one of the most interesting questions, we could continue to be more focused on behaviour change. We could have a particular subject focus, so we could look at long-term, long-termism or institutional decision-making, or we could remain quite broad and conduct research in high-impact areas and uh, sort of be a gun for hire in terms of uh, doing rapid reviews or focusing on particular processes like surveys and so on. And we could also be some sort of organisation which is just very focused on collaboration and connecting people and figuring out what the gaps in our understanding is and who is working on what research. So, yeah, there are a lot of different questions that we're looking to answer. And as I said in the talk, uh, your input would be very valuable. Great. Um, So on a similar wavelength, how is, um, uh, Nicholas asked, how is Ready different from other EA research organisations? That's a great question. So I think that it's perhaps not one quality or process that distinguishes Ready in isolation, but the combined presence of a couple of different attributes. So we're very focused on collaboration and connecting different researchers or people who are early in their research career or looking to step into that field and also more established researchers or practitioners or people in the field themselves and ensuring that we're building up people's experience and also creating valuable outputs by connecting with all of those different groups. We're also uh, quite focused on behaviour change and as well focused on the means rather than evaluating the ends themselves. So for example, by focusing on the means, I'm thinking about things like behavioural interventions rather than the ends, which I would consider like philosophizing or evaluating, you know, is it better to to, uh, to funnel money into charities that focus on humans rather than charities that focus on animals. And we're also very uh, focused on efficiency. So when working with such a big team and people who are across the globe and across many different areas, there's obviously some drawbacks to that. So you have to take into account a lot of people's availability, what they can do, where they're working, And we have a number of different processes uh, and like sort of synchronous and asynchronous asynchronous methods of integrating everyone's feedback and ensuring that we have like a valuable, better efficient output. Wonderful. So I guess this is also a similar question um, in terms of the logistics of Ready. Um, How did Ready get off the ground and decide on the research questions to work on? 
Um, how did you manage to get many people skilled in research and aligned with EA thinking to join and work together with meaningful research outputs? Ready began, I think, back in 2018. And so that was when Peter, Zan and Mike met at an EA conference and just shared like similar viewpoints about behaviour change and wanting to create something which addressed what was lacking in the field. In terms of how we choose our research topics, it's quite an in-depth process. So as we're currently a volunteer organisation, we need to see what people's availability is and what their interest is in working on this. And so uh, we have a list of people who are interested in Ready who we've pretty much met at various conferences and through networks and ask them what sort of questions they would be interested in uh, working on. We also talk to experts and researchers in the field to determine whether that's actually a useful thing to do, whether there's something that's already been done on that research topic, for example, and whether we just be duplicating work. And then we also work with various other people's like librarian librarians to um, further refine what the research question is. So at quite a few different stages, we're getting feedback from a lot of different people. So for example, with our current overview of reviews on uh, what works to reduce animal products, we got feedback before we started about would you be interested in X, Y, and Z research topics? We got feedback when we funneled in on the research uh, area we wanted to work in. We got feedback on the protocol, protocol and continue to get feedback on the output. Yeah, sounds like it's a lot of iterative trial and error process um, to get the company off ground. Okay, um, we're going to switch gears a little bit. And um, James asked a really interesting um, question, I guess, um, invoking how like ideology is translated into policy. So he said, how meaningful do you think are the reported probabilities on these surveys? It seems that if people believe the risks were this high, we might see a lot more political support for action or prevention. That's a great question. I suppose, yeah, the results of these surveys are only meaningful if they're getting to the right people. And so it could be that uh, people believe certain things, but policymakers don't think that people believe these things because they're not being voiced aloud. And, yeah, I think that's a great question in terms of how useful are these findings actually and how can we make them more useful? So is it presenting... Uh, presenting them to various people, is it delving further into them so they're more useful and more applicable for what, say, government or policymakers are actually going to be uh, deciding or making policies on? I think that's a great question and I don't think I have uh, a great answer to it. Um, okay, we only have a minute left, so I'm going to conclude with one last question. Asked by Peter, what is the most useful thing that you have learned during your involvement with Ready? I think... The most useful thing I've learned is that collaboration is everything and that working with the right people and learning the right skills is super important and that you can't do everything yourself. You won't have all the skills or all the knowledge to be like a one-man front and you need to be able to connect with the people who are already doing research in the area that you're interested in and find out has this already been done? What would be the useful output? You need to like talk to the people who are going to be using what you're producing and tr 
try and distance yourself from your own project. So sometimes you get quite attached to the the project you've created and you don't want to change it because it's uh, like an emotional attachment and it's about stepping back and asking, is this the most useful thing I could be doing? And I think EA is really good at that. Well, thank you so much. Um, that concludes our session with uh, Emily Grundy. And Emily, thank you so much for that wonderful talk. Um, and congratulations on um, this journey. And thank you so much for watching, everyone. Hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you.